I'm your producer, Todd Bartu, and this is Offshore Explorer. Offshore Explorer looks at the world from the sailor's point of view, port by port. Together, we share stories that detail the important intersections between sailing, culture, and life, past, present, and future. Coming up on today's episode, the search for Drake's treasure and the last pirate of the Caribbean. But first, let me introduce our host, a lifelong sailor who has traveled the world, raced international 14s, and crossed the Atlantic countless times, a published author who has written for both stage and screen, Sir Scott Dodson. Hey Todd, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, festive, everything, how are you today? I'm doing great, and uh, happy holidays to you, and Merry Christmas to all of our listeners. Um, So what do we have planned for this week's episode? Well, this week, um, I'm talking about having uh, Christmas at the Bitter End, the Bitter End Yacht Club. I spent, uh, I think, about 17 Christmases at the Bitter End Yacht Club um, out on a mooring, uh, meeting some wonderful people. I talk about a couple of the characters and specifically one character and um it's sort of a it's a it's about being at the edge of the world and christmas and what it means okay great take it away scott eighteen degrees thirty minutes seventeen seconds north 64 degrees, 27 minutes, 19 seconds west, is where I spent approximately 17 Christmases. This location is the location of the Bitter End Yacht Club and Sabre Rock. And it's notable for a couple of reasons. Is This is my little Christmas uh, episode, and it's more of a sailor's Christmas episode, because as a sailor, you're almost always away from home, and home becomes a kind of idea. But sitting at the bitter end on a mooring, with the bow of the boat bobbing, pointing directly into the trades, a little southeast, it was the wind, a steady 15 knots, just sort of, of warm air rolling over you day in, day out. You're protected in the north sound of Virgin Gorda by a deep and long reef that's um, filled with fish and other artifacts, and it's just an interesting, interesting place. It's a beautiful place. But it is the sort of elbow of the Windward Islands. It is nothing but ocean beyond that reef. It is all the way to Europe from that reef. A little southeast, you'll have uh, Anguilla, you'll have uh, St. Martin, and the, the curvature of the Windward Islands goes down through uh, Guadeloupe and St. Martin and the Grenadines and all the way down to Trinidad. But this very, very point on the map is significant in the sense that 
having spent so many Christmases there on charter. Now, when you charter, Christmas is a great time because you make a lot of money. Uh, it's a premium time, and you spend a lot of time with people you don't know on Christmas. And it's not like inviting people from that you know. For example, like, come on over to the house and spend Christmas with us. It's not like that at all. This is an economic thing. You're there to um, facilitate their happiness, to entertain them, to feed them, to take them to places. And the Bitter End always had a, a great uh, Christmas uh, celebration. They had a barge with a Christmas tree on it and Santa Claus it was all brightly lit and they would drive around the anchorage and music would be blaring and um, you know the hotel would be uh, festooned with uh, lights and and you could get a great Christmas meal there if you um, uh, got in advance. I, I particularly liked going into the club um, to the bar later at night after all the meals had been served and uh, just sort of uh, relaxing and sitting around with everybody. Um, that was always a, a pleasure for me. But I wanted to address an issue of standing on the bow of your boat, looking over the reef, little curlers coming in over the reef, because the reef is you know, 10, 15 feet below the surface of the water. A little swell maybe gathers. But beyond that, you're kind of at the edge of the world. At least that was what I sort of thought. In my mind, I was at the edge of the world. And, and somebody who made me think about that, um, and quite deeply, was uh, a, a man um, named Bert Kilbride. Now, he and his wife owned Sabre Rock, and I'm sure there's a lot of you out there that have been to Virgin Gorda and have gone to Sabre Rock, and I post some pictures on that, and have seen, you know, food bar. That's it. That was his advertisement. But Bert was a very, very kind of interesting guy. He was His Majesty's receiver of wreck in the territory, he, which is a special is a special uh, title. Um, he was a celebrity. Um, not only uh, did they make some movies about him um, and some shows, it, his, his rock, Sabre Rock, which they say is an acre and a half, which I don't believe. Um, it's way less than that. Um, it was a very popular watering hole. And I found it to be one of the most interesting places to go over by dinghy. Uh, many of you have been there, I'm sure, and have sat down on, on the deck, and, and Bert has been there, and, you know, Bert died, what, he was almost 100 years old. Um, he, he dove, he was part of the diving team with Jacques Cousteau. Um, he's done wrecks. He's, he's been all over the world. He's a very famous, he's in the Divers Hall of Fame, um, and he's got stories, and his moniker was the last Caribbean pirate. Now, I had known uh, Bert for close to 18 years. I would always go up to uh, the North Sound with my charters. I chartered for 18 years in the Virgin Islands. 
And I would I would go up there, take a morning ball, stay a night, um, always go over and see Bert, say hey. And we had conversations um, over time. Um, I remember his wife Gail and their and their son running around. Uh, it was sort of like a. Uh, it was just like out of Robinson Crusoe, the house and the bar and all the rest of that kind of stuff. And it was just an enjoyable place to sit and and stare back across the the sound. Um, and and Bert would tell stories. But he did more than that. He sort of fired the imagination of people because Bert was such a unique person and his lifestyle was so unique and so um, 16th century, I should add. And it always made me think about coming to, as they say, the bitter end. And for those of you who do not know what the bitter end is, is on a on a line or a piece of rope, um, you have the end that you're working with, and then you have the tail end, as as landlubbers might call it, a tail end. And that's called the bitter end. But it also refers to being kind of at the edge of the world, at the, at the end of your rope. That's the bitter end. And it has a lot of connotations through literature and, and through the English language, the way people use it. But the bitter end means a lot of things to a lot of different people. Now, if you're the kind of sailor that your idea of getting on a boat and going cruising or sailing or working on the water is to escape from the land and from the social responsibility and from the social pressures of a modern world, then being at the bitter end is important and pressing to your mind because, in a sense, you can't go any further. In a sense, you're sort of locked at the edge of the world. And if you're standing there on the bow of your boat or you're standing on the deck of Sabre Rock and you're talking to Bert about life and philosophy, which he was very good at talking about, and you realize that you are alone in this world. You make your own choices. The, the face of the world that you give to it is different than the face that is inside you. And Bert mentioned this to me just in passing, and I, it didn't directly relate to the, um, the conversation, but the, the words sort of kind of stuck. And it was, it was, nothing has changed in man except his method of transportation. We're all the same people. We're the same as all the pirates, as all the explorers that came, that came before us. We have the same emotional feelings of all the explorers. Now, Virgin Gorda was named by Christopher Columbus as he sailed by. Because if you look at Virgin Gorda from a distance, it looks like a, quote-unquote in Spanish, a fat woman or a virgin. They love to call everybody a virgin. Um, laying sideways. You have these two humps. Well, the last hump, 
to the north is where you will find on the other side, inside the sound, you will find um, the Bitter End Yacht Club. Now, the Bitter End Yacht Club really took some devastating blows, and they're rebuilding it right now from Hurricane Irma. The same with Sabre Rock. They're, they're working on it. They're rebuilding it. But it also kind of brings to the front of how fragile things are in the Caribbean when you have hurricanes and how, how belligerent we can be as a people to say, I'm going to build this even stronger. And the stronger we build it, the better we build it. It's, it always seems to, you know, there's more weather coming. You know, Mother Nature, she's, she's strong. She doesn't care. And that's why you find a lot of these wrecks all over the Caribbean. You know, steamships, essentially, um, were sunk. And because of hurricanes, they didn't have a, a system to tell you when the hurricanes were coming. They knew the season. They knew what to look for when it was happening. Okay? And, and, but when that happened, they had no way to go. There was no speed to get out of the way of a hurricane. They had to just find a place to hide. And oftentimes, sometimes they would put out the sea because they felt it would be better to be out at sea. And there was all these wrecks. And this is what Bert does. Bert was somebody who was always looking for wrecks. But one of the wrecks is not a wreck at all. One of the treasures of kind of like the Hall of Fame of treasures, let's put it that way. And it has absolutely nothing to do with money and everything to do with history was they've been looking and Bert had an idea of exactly where this is and this is something that reoccurred in our conversations all the time was looking for where the body of Sir Francis Drake was buried now Sir Francis Drake was credited with defeating the Spanish Armada invasion of England in 1588 he also became the first Englishman to circumnavigate the world and as a uh, Navy officer, he, he sort of drifted into piracy. And this is a kind of an interesting... How one drifts into piracy is, is, is not that hard to understand, but it's also uh, not what you think. Drake drifted into piracy. Um, and was one of the earliest um, promoters of the slave trade. Uh, bringing African men and women to work in English colonies in North America during the 16th century. Um, a, a very kind of interesting and, shall we say, kind of evil sort of guy. Um, I, I don't, I don't, this whole concept of how people could justify doing this to other people is, is almost beyond me. It, it really is to see this happen. But in any case, here we are, we're on this island, and we're at what we call the bitter end, and, and we're facing the ocean, and we're talking to a truly, truly, truly old salt. And the whole idea of this Drake thing, now, the thing is, is that Sir Francis Drake um, died of dysentery in 1596, and he had actually carried a lead coffin on his ship. It's off the coast. He was 
put in the coffin, full suit of armor. Um, the ring that he was wearing is like one of the the great treasure, could be one of the great treasure finds of all time. It's supposed to be quite a um, a big deal. And it's off the coast of Panama and Portobello. And it's quite a large area. Um, many archaeologists and divers have been there. Bert had been there. And there was always this thing that he had in his mind, like, I know I can find this. You know, I know I can find this. And at the time, I'm thinking, like, when I knew him, it was, you know, he was, I don't know, 75, 80 years old, somewhere in that neighborhood. And he still wanted to put together um, a team to go and, and check it out and to find it. He, he was convinced that he could find it. This attitude of being convinced that you could find treasure in a giant ocean is kind of a special attitude. And it's one of tremendous belief in yourself and, and, and hope positive hope so the other idea about standing at the bitter end of life or the bitter end of of your exploration is your own growth and i have to give bert some credit in a very small way to my own growth at that time that um, i began to understand um, what it was like to 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 look beyond what I was doing as a as a job, um, my job was as a charter boat captain. You know, food, charming, drink, stories, sailing people day and day after day. Um, hello, how are you? Being very um, uh, collegial and you know making sure everybody's safe, having them have a marvelous time because in general people come on your charter, it's the vacation of their lifetimes. Um, a lot won't come back, but some do. And that's a whole different story. Um, but that's what your job is. And it's a very demanding job physically. Um, it's a very demanding job uh, emotionally. I, I've often been asked uh, why I stopped chartering. And my answer has always been I ran out of charm. Um, I just, uh, I got tired of people, you know, coming and, you know, being on my boat. Um, I guess I was getting a bit cantankerous in that, in that way. But, um, yeah, just those things just were not working out for me as after 18 years, of course. So the next part of this, what I loved about, uh, with Bert was this whole last pirate of the Caribbean kind of idea. Um, because in fact, he really wasn't a pirate. Um, he was a first class, out of the box, original uh, scuba diver. Um, he set a record as being the oldest scuba diver um, in the world when he was diving at 90 years old. Um, he did pass away at 93. Um, he left a lot of uh, memories to a lot of people. Um, and he was a character beyond all characters. And because of this idea of being a character, um, he always made me, uh, 
he always made me self-aware of my own characterization. And I think this goes back to the fact that I have all my life been searching for something that is um, authentic and authentic in me. And I've been restless in this concept, in this idea. It's something that has driven me. And I know there's a lot of people out there that the same idea has happened, happens to you. You suppress it to a certain degree, but that restlessness of finding out what your authenticity is. I mean, I could look at somebody and hear somebody speak, and I they're not authentic. I could tell right off the bat half a sentence in, not authentic, don't know what they're talking about, all right? But somebody who does and who is truly authentic, and it doesn't matter who you are, what your profession is, what your class is, what your race is, that authentic sense of being is hugely, hugely important. And this relates to the idea of what Christmas is about. You know, Christmas is about finding your home. It's about that relationship between all of family, the general thoughtfulness and and the gratitude for the people that are close to you. It has its religious aspects to it. But in general, it's really a way for, for people to sort of reconnect. Now, if you're a sailor and you're spending all your time on Christmas at the edge of the at the edge of the world, okay, with people you don't know, the person that you are actually celebrating the gratitude and congeniality with, and the the experience and the robustness of your life, is somebody like Bert Kilbright. It's an interesting thing, but it's like just we would sit in these wooden slat chairs and and um, we would drink rum and, and we would talk about sailing and we would talk about diving because I was a diver as well. And it would be just a conversation of he knew he didn't have to perform for me as a character, and I found that when I was on Charter, and even today, I have this need to perform, which I'm doing now, but I have this need to perform, and, but there was more about the thoughtfulness and the gratitude of, it's really nice that you're here in this part of the world, that you are this person, and it gave me insights into myself, it gave me insights into, you know, what a pirate was, okay, because a pirate like our friend uh, Sir Francis Drake, who slid into piracy um, from being a naval officer, was really just um, a quibble of terms. During this period in which the Spanish galleons were coming out of Cuba and, and Central America, in South America, they were loaded with gold and riches. The, the Spanish had been exploiting South America like nobody's ever exploited anywhere in the world. And the place was loaded with these things. And a lot of these boats sank. 
a lot of these boats were were a part of the war the galleons you know the english were fighting the spanish the spanish and the french the french and the spanish and the english and all these allegiances in europe were going on and on and on it was very difficult for a man who had a hard time earning a life or a living on land because life on land was a horrible horrible time it was very difficult to feed your family if you had a family it was very difficult to maintain a trade um it was just you know you in the english they they would just come and knock you on the head and take you on a boat and you might be on a boat for the next five six ten years and then you would become a sailor even though that your original job was as a seamstress or a um, farmer. So the desperation that people felt um, was salved with their presence and in, in the way a, a ship works. You know, it's a community. It's a community of people community of respect for whatever jobs there are very tight quarters very difficult life but nothing more it wasn't more difficult than than being on the land in fact you know sleeping 18 inches apart um was you know that was good it was dry it was good um you had the potential of becoming rich and this is how these captains they they had letters of marquee they could go and and with a letter of marquee, you could go and take a take a Spanish guy and take all of the stuff. You would get percentages. The crew would get percentages. Everybody was great. It wasn't piracy. It, the same thing was an act of piracy. If you didn't have a letter of marquee, that was an act of piracy. And it wasn't until the English literally wrote a law that saying that piracy should be you can hang directly immediately. If, you've, if you're accused of piracy, literally, if you're accused of piracy, you're going to die. You're going to be hung from the highest yardarm. This context of the last pirate, this context of being at the bitter end, and this context of being there for Christmas, makes one think of the little joys that these sailors would have in their lives. These islands were seen by Columbus. They were seen by Sir Francis Drake. They were seen by every pirate sailor that ever came across the ocean to look for their fortune. And this is where you have your boat on a mooring and you're standing there and you're thinking to yourself, you know, how do I, as a sailor, and I'm also including, to include women in this idea, how do I, uh, as a sailor, fit into this particular world, this particular world, this world of, of, um, of the sea, of the openness, of, of the lack of social constraint, of, of being on the edge of a free fall, a free fall of not having um, a responsibility to uh, a social system, but you have your own social system, and that social system happens to be what's on your boat. I found it quite difficult on a charter boat because 
the people would come for Christmas and they would leave, and they would, we would have a great time, and we'd have we'd have a wonderful time. Don't get me wrong, you know we do water sports, we we'd go snorkeling, we'd go diving, and and we do all sorts of things. Um, you know the people love sailing. You know that's why they were on a charter and they loved sailing my boat, which was you know a big, beautiful, you know smooth kind of Bentley-like boat which is what you could call a CT-54. It's kind of like a Bentley of boats. Smooth and, and, and just takes the waves, and it did knock you up. And it made, it was customized sailing, you know, hors d'oeuvres and drinks and sail. It was, it was nice. You could get a little wild and woolly, but mostly in the Virgin Islands, you're inside kind of a giant pond, so to speak. So the water is relatively calm, you know, the waves don't really exist. They're wind waves for the most part. And you can get a good 15-knot breeze and the boat will just go and you can put as much sail up as you want and just rip it back and forth across the bays, come up to the North Sound, you know, go dancing um, in, in Virgin Gorda proper, um, you know, and you could do lots, you know, lots and lots and lots of wonderful things because the Caribbean is kind of like a, a theme park for kids and adults. Saba Rock with Bert and Gail, his wife, um, is sort of an adult bar at the edge of the empire, which if I was going to make a movie about, you know, a man, you know, at the end of his rope, at the bitter end of his rope, um, I would... I would place it on Sabre Rock, um, and and that's where he would have to face his maker standing on Sabre Rock and looking out at the ocean. And you know, wh what are you going to do? Um, you know, and ponder the fate of your life, um, and to ponder the um, the isolation, and and to to learn how to deal with the isolation because that's what I'm always leading up to is is that chartering and and being at the bitter end and it's all this fun and this sort of glitter and glamour and all the rest of the stuff it's still for the captain is a moment of realization about how isolated one is in in their life and i credit bert for recognizing this before i did i i thought i was out there having fun and you know drinking with the people and partying and being the guy and having fun, telling stories, um, blah, blah, blah. And it was just, you know, over and over. And, and I realized that the, the sense of uh, being a person, being a captain, and is essentially you're isolated, you're alone. You're at the edge of the empire, the bitter end. You're standing there and you are by yourself and that's where Christmas comes in Christmas is not a time to be by yourself Christmas is a time to find love is to reach out to be embraced and to embrace family it's about thoughtfulness it's not about gift giving it's about making sure that you have that through line from the people who know you, who love you, and who possess the love for you, who sustain you, 
And in all of this, I feel sorry for all those pirates out there who never realized, or maybe they did realize, and the isolation pushed them to do acts of, of horrible in old nature. Because pirate, being a pirate wasn't a good, wasn't a good deal. It was a vicious life. Sir Francis Drake's a perfect example. He died of dysentery. He was he had a little fleet there. He knew it was a vicious life. And Bert knew life was fun. New life was to be enjoyed. New life was to be embraced and eaten and wallowed in and have fun with. But he also knew that life was about being isolated in your own individuality. So this Christmas, if any of you are out there sailing in the Windward Islands, go into the North Sound. Bitter End Yacht Club is still being rebuilt. Sabre Rock is still being rebuilt. But it's worth kind of uh, going in, dropping the hook. The reefs are still there. The nature is still there. It's still the edge of the world. Have a drink. Celebrate the life of the last living pirate. And celebrate your own connection. And that your isolation isn't as difficult as it could be when you consider pirates, 16th century, the loss of life being so prevalent in your day-to-day life. We live in a remarkable time in which we can slip into this dalliance as sailors and look beyond the reef and see the ocean and understand that there is danger out there. There is a great deal of danger out there, but it's all about fulfilling that search in you, that growth, and it keeps you alive and generous, and it keeps you as the character that you truly are. So to all my friends, to all my listeners, I wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. By the way, it's been fantastic, your support, and we really appreciate it. And we wish you a Merry Christmas and a very, very Happy New Year. Thanks for sharing, Scott. That was a great story. Uh, It sounds like this guy was a real character, the, the last real pirate of the Caribbean. Yeah, he was the real deal. There was no doubt about that. Uh, vast amount of uh, knowledge and experience, and and really, uh, Bert was just a, a super super nice guy. Yeah, I've I've usually actually celebrated Christmas and New Year's on some tropical island in Asia somewhere. So, I I understand the uh, the feeling and the emotion of just wanting to kind of get away for it all away from it all for the holidays away from the, all the hustle and bustle and the crowds. Uh, so, but going off of that, what do we have planned for uh, next week's episode? Well, next week uh, we're going to uh, do a recap of the year. We've had a great year, um, a great deal of uh, listenership. And uh, we're going to talk 
um, about some of our uh, more popular um, episodes and uh, essentially just kind of stay in the whole uh, festive uh, uh, holiday spirit. Great. Everybody have a uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and we'll see you in a week. Merry Christmas. Ciao, ciao. Thank you for tuning in. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to rate and review. You can find us on Facebook and at offshoreexplorer.org. You can also listen to past episodes at offshore-explorer.simplecast.com. Our theme song is sung by Paulette McWilliams, with additional music by Amanu Itomi and Tommy Twang. Until next time, fair winds and calm seas.